there. Okay, now this one's probably going to be pretty lengthy and it will also encompass some emotions from me. I'll probably say some things that, you know, some curse words may slip out. So I'm just warning you. <laughs> and I'm going to be looking at my phone because that's, I have some of the articles. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and preface it with this, with this particular experience. A couple years ago, I had my online students for developmental psychology um, go ahead and do an assignment that was connected with the implicit associations test. This test was created by folks at Harvard and essentially it was, a, they were creating a test that would allow them to collect data to support something known as implicit associations and implicit biases. Implicit simply means it's implied, it's like it's automatic, okay? And then these associations are these connections that we have. It could be with uh, associations that we have with uh, people from, from a different race, ethnicity, physical size, socioeconomic status. You know, these are all the implied associations, these automatic connections that are made, uh, that are actually created as we're growing up through media and through our social surroundings, the environment that we're raised in, that are constantly repetitive ones. So Harvard creates this test that basically says, okay, we want to test this. Now, it originally started out as one of the main ones was on race. So uh, since then, there's a variety of different topics. So I encourage you to do it. Look up IAT, Harvard IAT. You can fill it out yourself. Anyways, so I ended up having my developmental psychology students take this and prefaced it as, hey, this is not, this, this, here's what this is testing. And it's important that you all as future folks who are going into education and nursing and psychology, most of them are required to take that course. This is very important for you to experience and then unpack yourselves. Not only that, but when you go to the IAT test, it talks about, hey, you know, here's some things we want to precaution you. You know, I don't know. I don't know if it's just like they don't read the instructions or I don't know. That's not about this. The responses that I got, I had them take the test and then I had them write some specific things from some prompts, right? The responses, I'm going to say roughly 90 to 95% of the responses were from a defensive place. Actually displacing the discomfort that they felt from the test results because the majority of them got, you know, moderately or, or I can't remember the terminology, but they're basically saying that, that, that implicitly we have uh, a thing against, not necessarily that, people of different, different races, different ethnicities, different genders, different ages. Okay. Anyways, this one was about race. Um, and it was very interesting because the attacking that I received from the responses, I knew from a psychological standpoint that many of them were, were an act of displacement, but it was really interesting because a lot, there was a main theme. I can't believe you're calling me a racist. I can't believe you're having us take a test that's going to communicate that we're a racist, which was really, really fascinating to me as a psychologist, because I'm thinking, well, where, where did you get that? 
it's this, the test is not communicating that you're a racist. It's communicating that you have an implied and automatic association from when you were young and what's presented in the world, regardless of how you feel. Shoot, I was, I was strongly, you know, and I think, shoot, you know, I don't differentiate between people's colors in my mind, in my moral compass. No, I don't. I don't. But that doesn't mean that I don't recognize that I have automatic associations in here from when from the because of the environment that I'm raised in. So I get that. Anyways, so the reaction of that was quite fascinating. So last night I'm perusing the book of faces and I run across this particular article that was presented in Chronicles of Higher Ed. Higher Ed, you know Facebook al algorithms. And once you click on something, then you're going to be getting a bunch of stuff. So this particular one was posted by a Dr. George Yancey. Some of you may know him. If you don't, um, the title of the article is The Ugly Truth of Being a Black Professor in America. Now, many of you know that I am almost done, yay, with my uh, doctorate in curriculum and instruction. And one of the main underbellies of this program focuses on diversity. It focuses on diversity, not just in curriculum, but in education, the historical, how it's evolved, and how to incorporate that now. And, you know, at, before taking these diversity courses, and we had like six in various different pockets, I thought, well, you know, yeah, I understand diversity. Wow. I, I, I did not. I mean, I understood it like a small sliver. So I've learned a lot about the diversity element uh, just within education, but also even more from a psychological perspective. So it's really interesting. So I'm, I'm familiar with, with some of the works um, here. But anyways, he talks about how his backlash, he kind of hasn't really spoken much since he published this particular article. Um so he goes on, and I'll let you read it at your own leisure because it's pretty lengthy. And some of the verbiage, there's a lot of, when he cites the messages that he got from people, even people in education, there's a lot of um, the N-word being used and a lot of foul language. So, but anyways, um, he starts it with, and I won't say the word just because it gives me the heebies, but uh, dear N-professor. And that was the beginning of, of this salutation. Uh, so he had done an opt-ed piece published in the New York Times in December of 2015. It was a compilation of series of interviews in, uh, amongst philosophers. His article was titled Dear White America, and it took the form of a letter asking readers to accept the truth of what it means to be white in a society created for white people. And it goes on and talks about a variety of other things. Well... Unfortunately, you know, he thought, well, hey, you know, I'm this is going out to an audience of individuals, fellow philosophers, fellow educators. You know, he figured that, yeah, there would be probably a little bit of, of commentary on the side in negative ways, etc. But he thought for the most part, hey, you know, it's not like it's not like people are talking about this, right? He says instead he received hundreds of emails, phone messages, and letters, an overwhelming number of which were were filled with racist vitriol. I think that's how you pronounce it, but basically, yeah, racist communication, racist messages. Um, his, his university uh, professor, his university backed him up, but here's just some of the things that he cites, and I have no reason to think that he made these up. 
He's probably got the letters, the emails, with the people's names to it. So it's not like he's making this stuff up. Another uppity N, calling an N a professor is like calling white, black, and wet, dry. Even the, the most sophisticated N will revert back to their jungle bunny behavior when excited. I mean, and it just goes on and on. Now, now I'm starting to get fired up. It just goes on and on. And I'm thinking, okay, these messages, of course, they're not saying it to his face, right? Yeah, you say it to my face, whole other ball game. I'm going to go ahead and speculate that more than 90% of the people who say this kind of shit, who communicate this crap, okay, to, to people in a malicious way, they don't have the balls to say it to your face, okay, which means they're cowards. But circumvent the, the, the insertion of technology where we can hide behind these things and we can just type a bunch of stuff and not have to have a real connection and see the response and have that fear that they may be offended by what we're saying. Yeah, we don't have to do that anymore. Yeah, because we can hide behind this stuff. And that's not good. Okay, okay, I'm not saying technology is bad. I'm saying that there's pros and there's cons. And unfortunately, this is one of the cons. This is unfortunate. And he goes on, I'll let y'all read it. I'll post a link to it in the comment section. It is, it is sickening in the sense that I can't believe, I mean, yes, I can, because I'm a realist. It doesn't mean that it doesn't shock me that people think it is okay to be verbally aggressive. Verbal aggression is when you attack a person's per character, a per their personality, who they are, okay? Yeah, um, you know, we're talking about racism, and he's talking about racism in his article. He's talking about, you know, hey, how do we move from this? You know, we really have to look at the isms, ageism, sexism, classism, racism, okay? They're essentially a prejudice, and then all usually connected to discrimination. A prejudice is more of a negative stereotype, a prejudgment about people in a particular group uh, or affiliated with a particular group. A discrimination is a behavior based off of that prejudice, so a lot of these are prejudice, but then again, a little bit of it could be filed under discrimination because of the way you're responding, the way you're behaving towards that person and the things that you're saying. Well, funny thing is after that got me riled up, still just, I just am shocked that human beings think that this kind of language, this type of communication towards other people that you don't know anything about, you don't even know them. To even communicate that, I'm not. This is we're not talking about an opinion. These comments here, these are not uh, opinions. Okay, these are these are have an emotional backing to them. They don't have any evidence backing up their opinion. They're emotional. Um, Dear Professor, I'm a white American citizen. You are the one who is the racist against white people. Evidently, a professor. I bet you got your PhD through a mail order. Interesting. See what I'm saying? It's just, it just goes on and on. Anyways, but what was fascinating is right after I was reading that, and then of course, you know, I'm trying to peruse Facebook just to get a little, you know, simmered down. I run across uh, one that was posted by some high, some people that I went to high school with. They posted an article, which just blew my mind. I mean, I'm like, bam, like it's just happening all in one day about where, um, do, do, do. There it is. Specifically in connection with Oregon schools. I'm originally from Oregon. 
It says, titled, Classrooms in Crisis, Verbal, Physical, Sometimes Violent Outbursts Are Plaguing Oregon Classrooms. And this was really in connection with elementary schools, K through 6, but a lot of it talks about how those behaviors, they're not getting resolved, they're not getting um, assistance with how to help those students. They're not, um, it's, it's transitioning those behaviors into uh, middle school, high school, and essentially, I even see it and experience it sometimes on my end, too, as a college professor. I have not experienced it to the extent that these folks have. But I tell you, I have I've had a few students face to face get pretty disrespectful. And I've had many get disrespectful and verbally aggressive through email, which is quite interesting. Um, granted, I could probably be like, well, hey, you know, <laughs> I know where that's coming from. <laughs> but still, right? I know I have a pretty good idea, but that doesn't mean that everybody else does. So here's the here's the situation. There's not enough teachers. There's not enough counselors. And now we have this overwhelming number of young children who are who are. Um, behaviorally out of control. Not, I'm not talking, okay? I know I'm always worried because people are going to be like, well, are you talking about, you know, what are you talking about? No, I'm talking about physically, verbally, violently getting out of control. I'll post this article too, where it will take m many, many minutes, sometimes hours to get them to calm down. And they don't have the assistance because they don't, you know, the funding's short. And, and it's not as though teachers, I mean, yeah, okay, elementary teachers, yeah, they're trained to, to, to deal with some things. But many of these are behave, these should be dealt with by a counselor, a school counselor who's trained in that area, okay? Teachers are there to teach. They're about learning. They're not about helping individual young children trying to figure out how to express themselves emotionally. They make a very bold claim in this article about how the one con the, the one shift that has changed um, that could be a contributor is the use of technology, the, specifically the iPhone, the mobile device. Now, that's a very bold claim, and they admit that there's no data to back that up. It's just their speculation of that. I could see how possibly that would be um, in connection with that. But listen to this. This is crazy. This is stinking crazy. It's some stats on uh, several different schools, big schools too, and areas uh, about the injuries now, they don't have specific, um, well, I can't remember how they said this. It's difficult to quantify how much the problem of disruptive behavior has grown because most districts don't keep uniform data about student outbursts. However, data looking at teacher injuries offers some insight about the scope of the issue. So one school, Beaverton, 79% of the employee reported injuries were caused by students. Hillsborough, 65% of employee injuries were caused by students. In Salem, 73% of employee injuries were caused by students. So that's telling you that essentially they got injured because for the bulk, more than 
were were student related. Um, the student was violent towards them. Their their behavior, uh, physically physically physical injuries. We're not even that's not even talking about the verbal stuff. Okay. And I'm just, you know, and I, hey, look, I'm not saying that it's the children's fault. The children's are essentially a byproduct of their environment, and children are going through a ton of things in in their in their world. Um, there's the homelessness is on an all time high. Children in schools being homeless, um, parents unfortunately having to work multiple jobs and not being able to be there to kind of mold and shape drug addiction, well, addiction in general, okay, where you're not necessarily a present parent because we know teachers can't fix everything, okay? Teachers are there to teach your child subjects, not teach your child how to be a grown person and an adult and a mature person. Well, yeah, of course, that's going to unfold along the way because you're becoming educated. But again, they're not, they're not babysitters, okay? And even babysitters shouldn't fix someone's, fix a child's behavior. Ideally, they should help mold that. But again, wow, almost at 20 minutes. This is just one of those topics that verbal, specifically verbal aggression, I feel, I find that to be much more prevalent in the world of education. But obviously there's physical stuff going on too at the younger levels. And really, you know, hey, if you want to give funding, if you, if you want to fund, if you want to help education, if you want to help, especially K through six, give them money to, to have more teachers so that the teachers don't have 30 plus stinking students to try to manage and maybe one TA, one teaching aide, and then have them hire some stinking uh, counselors because those children need help. OK, the teachers need support. The counselors can assist this, those kids. I mean, we're, we're supposed to be helping those kids because they're going to eventually become adults and they're going to act like assholes to people who should be respected. Anyways, getting chills. It just pisses me off. It's frustrating. Yeah, I'm a realist. I get that people are kind of poopy. Um, not everybody, obviously, but most people are relatively kind. But I tell you, man, there is some venom out there. And it is apparent in the media. Um, it's really easy to hide behind this and be like, duh, 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 duh. real easy. But I ask you this. Would you say that same thing to that person to their face? That's question number one. If the answer is, oh, no, I wouldn't be able to do that, then don't say it. Question number two, would you like that same type of message to be communicated to you? Would you like to read that kind of message? I'm going to go with probably no. That's a big old no. Okay, then why the heck are we talking like this to people? Why? I don't understand it. Just period in society. We don't need to be disrespecting people. And, and educators, they're trying to help you. Okay, now some people might come on and say, well, some educators, some teachers are just, you know, we're not talking about that. All right, that's for a whole other subject. Anyways, whoo, I think I sweat a little bit. That was passion right there. In fact, I am getting a little hot, getting a little excited. I tell y'all, be kind to each other. Think about how, what you're saying and how you're saying it. Give yourself an hour before you fire off a response. An hour just even will, will help you. Okay. I do it all the time. All righty. Anyways, big love y'all. I think I just copied Jackie cause she's on and it triggered this cause she says that. <laughs> all righty. Bye y'all.